Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Friday morning. It is September 9th, and Brendan, we have three games with the Cincinnati Reds to go over. The Cubs dropping two of three to the Reds after winning the opener in exciting fashion on Tuesday night. Mm -hmm. Uh, a, a, A frustrating one. If you're still at the point of getting frustrated by the 2022 Cubs, who are now 23 games under 500, it was a frustrating one in the finale on Thursday, which is a shame, Brendan, because I think Tuesday, and you know, you talk to a lot of people about this and you just look through social media, et cetera, one of the more optimistic and I think promising games we'd seen in a while that was the most enjoyable game of of the year for me right you get these debuts from uh perhaps the most electric Cubs prospects pitching wise we've had in what a decade I feel like so yeah it is disappointing but I'm at the point where I don't like I want to win these games but it's not ruining my afternoon when they blow these games I'm more interested at this point just trying to find as much playing time as possible for guys including Wisniewski yeah so we will uh Brendan was on the CHGO Cubs postgame show on Tuesday with Luke Cody and Ryan so there is uh, plenty of Hayden Wisniewski discussion if you go to that episode from Tuesday Uh, either on YouTube or in your podcast feed, wherever you get them. Uh, But we will touch on that a little bit now, a a few days removed. I know, Brendan, you know, you've been able to, uh, when you're doing that live in the postgame, you know, now the baseball savant data has normalized. It's all been... Oh, it's uh, all there. Checked, you know, cleared and checked out, and uh, the different mm-hmm. pitch types have been adjusted and stuff like that. So we'll check back in on on some of the Wisniewski stuff. Uh, Want to talk about a really good series from Nico Horner, which is good to see after, uh, you know, talking Nico. last episode about uh, some of the, the, the struggles that he's had for, you know, just a brief time here. Uh, Christopher Morell had a better series series after, uh, you know, we talked about him too in the last episode and want to keep highlighting Seiya Suzuki, who is still very hot, doing very well. And uh, I did a little bit of, you know, statistical uh, data diving, Brendan. I I learned from you, right? Wow. I may make fun of you, but uh, a lot, actually. You make fun of me a lot. It's like, you know, it's like brothers, you know, it's like, it's playful ribbing. 
Yeah, sometimes. Uh, sometimes. Uh, but I, I did look at some of the stuff with Fran Mil Reyes and, you know, what we talked about when he came over in terms of the time this year in Cleveland being so bad and kind of not really fitting with the rest of his career, the time that he's had with the Cubs also kind of paints that same picture. So I want to look at that as well. Uh, and maybe uh, touch a little bit on on Ian Happ's improved defense. David Ross uh, was talking about that in the postgame on Thursday, and maybe some of the potential rule changes that might be voted on by Major League Baseball uh, later today on Friday. So yeah, a lot going on. Let's uh, let's get into these box scores. Brendan, just run through these real quick, set the table for the discussion. Before we do that, though, I do want to ask you: Have you recovered? Uh, Nico Horner hit a triple on Thursday, Mm -hmm. diving Mm -hmm. into third base. You guys know Willie Harris gets down and dirty when guys are sliding into third base, uh, kind of in that, you know, army crawl position. He he wants to, you know, be down there with his players, right? Nico joined him diving headfirst into third base, and we got a a pretty wonderful gif of him, uh, kind of Jordan-esque, sticking his tongue out. Have you recovered from this, Brendan? I, I just woke up actually from passing out. It's been about seven hours. I woke up just knowing that I had to record this podcast. So I have recovered, but it was uh, it was a process, Corey, to get up. Yeah, I, I I was imagining you watching that kind of like a crowd watching Elvis in his heyday, you know, sweating, <laughs> fainting, just unable to contain oh, that yourself. Was me. A, lo- a slight squeal, you know? Yes. Oh, sure was right. Um, <laughs> okay. Anyway, I'm going to, we're going to stop that discussion real quick. Um, Let's go back to Tuesday. The Cubs winning the first game of this series 9-3. to Wade Miley getting back out there for the Cubs. Four innings, two hits, two earned runs, two walks, and six strikeouts. So good to see Miley back out there. Um, this was on 69 pitches for Wade Miley. So, uh, you know, all, all things considered, a fine outing from him. That was not the main course on Tuesday, though. Uh, it was not the lead. The lead was Hayden Wisniewski making his debut. Five innings, two hits, no runs, one walk, and eight, eight strikeouts, Brendan. Mm. Mm. We'll we'll come out of these box scores with this. We don't have to do it now, but this was electric. Uh, Cubs social media was buzzing. You were buzzing. Everybody just buzzing about Hayden Wisniewski and that debut. Uh, the Cubs getting their nine runs on Tuesday. Ian Happ's 16th homer of the year. Seiya Suzuki's 11th homer of the year, and he was not done in this series. Nick Madrigal, an RBI single. Christopher Morell, an RBI single. Seiya Suzuki walked with the bases loaded to score uh, to bring in a run, and Rafael Ortega with a sack fly. On Wednesday, it was a seven to one Cubs loss. Naturally, you picked Tuesday to do post game with the with the boys, uh, Luke, Cody, and Ryan. I picked Wednesday, so well, I'm just smarter than you. I I had the foresight that Tuesday would be a good night. Yeah, I got a seven to one loss with no sure did no electric, uh, you know, Cubs pitching prospect debuts. 
Javier Assad, five and a third, five hits, four runs, one walk, and six strikeouts. Uh, a couple of those runs coming after he exited the game. So, of course, they're still his runs, but just want to want to note that. 2.93 ERA in the season for Assad. So he has been, you know, solid enough. Uh, maybe, you know, not uh, overwhelmingly exciting, but, you know, another kind of in in that line of uh, depth guys coming up and, you know, keeping keeping things rolling for the Cubs in terms of their pitching. Uh, the Cubs getting their lone run in this game on a P.J. Higgins single. He had a nice series, some nice moments in this series. Um, Eric Yeoman struggled again. Uh, two hits, two runs, one walk. Uh, he does not record an out in this one. Obviously been a bad stretch for him, but he started with a really good stretch, so hopefully he uh, you know gets back on the right track here in the rest of September. And that was really all that was exciting uh, in the game on Wednesday. And then in the finale on Thursday, it was a 4-3 to three Reds win. The Reds scoring a run each in the 7th and 8th, and then two in the top of the ninth to steal a W from the Cubs. Adrian Sampson, six innings, five hits, one earned run, no walks, just one strikeout, uh, the one run coming on a solo home run, but another quality start for Adrian Sampson, who has racked up uh, some really nice starts here for the Cubs, a 3.76 ERA on the season. We've we've talked about him, we've talked about guys like Smiley and, you know, even Assad a little bit, even though it's only been a few appearances for Assad, but Sampson continuing to do nice work, uh, just uh, like I said with Assad, just kind of keeping things rolling, right? Decent innings, keeping the team in the game, quality starts here and there, and it's very helpful when you get to this point in a season. You've had so many guys hurt, etc. That depth is nice. Would be nice, uh, you know, in a more competitive season uh, to you know have some of these guys to rely on when guys are hurt. Uh, you need a spot start, double headers, things like that. The Cubs getting their three runs in this one on a P.J. Higgins sack fly, a Fran Mil Reyes RBI single, and the aforementioned Seiya Suzuki's 12th home run of the season. Other pitching notes to be aware of. Uh, Rowan Wick does get the blown save in this one, a third of an inning, and he walks two. Mark Leiter Jr. takes the loss in this one. Two-thirds of an inning, two hits, two runs, and one walk. So not the best day for some of these guys out of the bullpen, but such is life. So that's the series, Brendan. Uh, some, you know, other things to look at. Um, but I I, I want to jump right in to let's let's just do Hayden Wisniewski because I, you know, it, it's, uh, we're a couple days removed here, and I know you dove into this a lot, but I mean, what can you even say about such an electrifying debut? Do you remember the last time we had a debut like this? Ser- seriously, I think Adbers was great. His debut, the, the, the hat tip. I can't remember a debut as electric as this. Am I wrong? Yeah, Adbears was great. Um, I think it was a you maybe like an inning shorter or or something in that range, mm-hmm. and he certainly did not rack up as many strikeouts. But Adbears was a, a very solid debut. Um, other than that, though, I you know I, I'm assuming we're going back to Mark Pryor, right? Ah, man, usually we talk about Mark Pryor in like a, a sad context. This is like a happier context, so maybe may right? I mean, if if if, if Wisniewski can be anything near Mark Pryor, that would be incredible but that that outing by Hayden shows exactly the type of formula 
hopefully the Cubs continue to chase in the next year or two. Get someone with a ton of stuff that you have a coaching staff capable of owning in and trying to refine and maximize that stuff in the context of throwing strikes. And you saw when Hayden is able to locate those pitches, that slider on the edges, it's almost unhittable, Corey. And that's what was so impressive, not just the stuff that he showed, but he hit the edges so closely. If you look at just the command score, that's similar to the stuff grader that I always talk about. If you just grade the command from that start on the 80 scale, Corey, it graded almost as an 80. So the majority of his pitches were thrown on the edge of the strike zone. Then you combine that with the stuff, the 18-inch plus horizontal break on his slider. That stuff graded as a 65 out of 80. That's a standard and a half deviation above the average. That's almost like in the 95th like percentile in just stuff alone, Ex- including everything, all the metrics, velocity, horizontal release, everything. So impressive. So the thinking is if this continues and he can hit the edges, which probably is a little bit ambitious at this point, but you see in a best case scenario where everything is perfect, where you can dream as large as you can. This is top tier stuff. This is top tier ace-like potential, but he has a lot more work to go. He's got to refine some of those fastballs. He's got to refine the changeup. He's got to show for a large sample. He's capable of hitting the edges this consistently. And until he does that, then you still have to taper back those like, oh, he's an ace type projections that's that there's a lot more work to go but you can see the excitement i mean i think the fact that we're even having that discussion is well no one no one has no one well yeah i mean i don't want it like you know i I don't want these words to be twisted oh he's going to be an ace there's very few prospects who turn into that he has great stuff the command and the the ability to hit the edges still needs to be refined and the possibility because of too many home runs here in the early going is perhaps higher than what the coaches want it to be. And the way that home run potential goes down is, you know, you throw more four seams with confidence. You throw more change-ups with confidence, especially the left-handed batters. Or if you don't do that, then you kind of get into this platoon mix that Adber got into uh, last season. So there's still a lot of work to do, but you have the age component. You already have a strong foundation in this stuff. And I don't, I know it's not like, oh, I don't think we have. I know for a fact we've never had a starting pitcher with this stuff ever. Like this is this is the best stuff prospect we've ever had, Corey, in the StackCast era. Yeah, so I think, you know, one of the things that really stood out for me on Tuesday was, and, and we kind of knew this at the time, right? But when the trade happened, everybody was so surprised because Scott Efros had been so good out of the Cubs bullpen. And at at the time, he was one of those guys that you're thinking, okay, the Cubs have found, you know, when we're looking across this roster, like who's part of the team next year, who are guys that have proven themselves, pieces for the future, et cetera, et cetera. Efra seemed like a lock for that, right? So when the trade happens, everybody's like, whoa, what? Mm. You watch what happened on Tuesday night, and you're like, oh, right? Like, I, I understood it at the time. I think a lot of people understood it at the time. But I think if you were skeptical of trading someone like Efros, I, I think hopefully Tuesday kind of alleviated any concerns you might have had um, mm. because exactly what you're saying, right? Like this is a young, p- 
potential uh, rotation piece who has just absolutely nasty stuff. And so Tuesday was one of those nights where I think hopefully for everyone it clicks in and goes, oh, here's why the Cubs (laughs) traded a guy that seemed like a reliable reliever going forward because this guy is younger, a starter, and he's absolutely filthy. Yeah, Efros was awesome. And the fact that we had to trade someone like Efros for Wisniewski, of course, uncomfortable. But just to really emphasize this point, Efros is still a reliever, a relatively older one to have the success at almost 29 years old. And he is a reliever who did not get outs by inducing whiffs. So my process in thinking about relievers has always been, I like preventing runs, but I don't, I always bring this example, I will die if we ever give up a blue pit to blow a game like Mariano Rivera did in the World Series. Like You want to limit as much contact as possible for Efros and that 78% contact rate, that's below league average. So maybe that gives more, I guess, uh, relief for those particular fans who do miss Efros. I understand that. And it's not bashing them. He's still like one of the better relievers this year. But there's still a level of uncertainty in projecting someone like that and when you compare that to Westetsky and the potential, it's almost a no-brainer. Like, I've, yeah. I've never felt so confident that a trade made this much sense, Corey. Right, and you know, not that it's you're not you're of course not rooting for it, but Efros is also no. on the injured list with a right shoulder strain. Yeah, um, I mean, so, these are relievers, dude. Right, these are and especially you know with his delivery and stuff like that. I, again, I'm not like glad he's on the injured list, but it is just one of those things where, you know, it's. I I would much prefer to be watching Hayden Wisniewski doing what he did at Wrigley Field on Tuesday night. That's yeah. the point, right? Yeah, no doubt. Um, so yeah, that was electrifying and very very exciting. And uh, you know, I, I I think too, it it's one of those things where you obviously don't plan, and it's not something you want to see going forward in that exact order. But, you know, I'm always kind of intrigued when we see games like Tuesday where Miley goes four innings and then Wesneski just comes in and Ross is like, here's the ball, kid. Like, go finish the game, (laughs) right? Because we've talked so much about where certain guys fit. And the Cubs have a ton of 40-man roster decisions coming. We've talked about that a lot. Jed Hoyer has talked about that a lot. Um, But we talk so much about guys like Samson or Assad or, you know, even like someone like Keegan Thompson and, you know, Alzali when he comes back and just all these different players. And we've seen them used differently over the years. And I'm, I, I, you know, it's just so much kind of where the game is headed, right? Yeah. Where it, it isn't necessarily, um, you know, all your starting pitchers are throwing complete games or going seven, eight plus innings. And, you know, they added the the three hitter rule, right, to minimize all these little tiny pitching changes and over managing and things like that. And so it's it's not your plan that your starter goes four innings, of course. But I am always just intrigued, like the, the Cubs having more weapons on their pitching staff is what intrigues me. And obviously, going forward, you'd like Kwasniewski to hopefully be one of those, you know, guys who's turning in quality starts or seven inning starts or, or better than that. But 
all that matters in the moment, right, is just stockpile these weapons. There is a way to use them one way or the other, whether they are traditional starters that are offering all that length, whether they're relievers that can only go one inning, whether they're a hybrid mix of which we've seen the Cubs deploy a dozen of them over the last couple of years, right? Or at least try guys in that role. So I, I, I just sort of looked at Tuesday and you're like, this is intriguing, right? The Cubs seem very comfortable with being malleable about exactly how pitchers are used and what all of their individual roles are. And I, I like that. It's, it's where the game is headed and the more pitching weapons you have, the better. It doesn't always matter how many outs each guy is getting as long as you have some sort of plan and ability to get 27 of them, right? One way or the other. Mm-hmm. You look at the Cubs' projection for next season in their starting rotation, you can list off nine guys that could get five-plus starts at some point. They include Stroman, who's a staple. He's a lock. Samson, that's two. Steele, Thompson, Assad, that's five. Wisniewski, six. Alzali, seven. Killian, eight. And then Hendricks, when he comes back, nine. Those are nine starting pitching options that are team-controlled on the team next year unless they want to trade people away. And those nine guys, you can you can look at their numbers, but yeah, like that makes sense. Like I'm comfortable giving them innings. That's huge, Corey. And I always bring this up. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually just list the numbers this time. You look at the race, what they do. They have three starters that start every fifth day. They include Shane McClanahan, Corey Kluber, and Drew Rasmussen. They've started twenty three plus times. After that, they have a cycle of different pitchers who come in and out of the bullpen. They include Jeffrey Springs, who's made 28 appearances, 20 of those as a starter, eight of those as a reliever. Jalen Bleaks, 38 appearances, seven of those as a starter. Ryan Yarbrough, 17 appearances, nine of those as a starter. Ryan, uh, Matt Whistler, 39 outings, five of those as a starter. And now they're still shuffling in guys who are new, who are not even making this innings threshold of 40 that I put into this Fangraphs leaderboard. You can see the Cubs doing something similar next year. And you can see the the piggyback scenario being a formidable strategy, even for guys like Adra Alzali, who has platoon splits, who needs to develop a cutter or a changeup to get through lefties. I like it. I feel really, I feel like just talking out loud with you about this, Corey, I feel more comfortable now just listing off those nine potential names. And each of those guys, uh, maybe Sand, Stroman, you can make the argument that you can't fully rely on them, like even Steele and Thompson, given their recent injury bouts and their and their youth. But you can see also uh, the type of depth the Cubs could conceivably have going into next year if they want to keep these guys on the roster. Yeah. So uh, before we get to our first ad break here, uh, a couple points just to finish up on that. Um, firstly, you know, I talked with uh, Luke and Cody last night on the postgame show about, you know, kind of free agents. And, you know, we were talking about like Aaron Judge and stuff, but we also kind of talked about how there there aren't, there, there isn't a plethora of those like surefire ace top starting pitching free agents available. You know, of course, depending on like options being accepted, declined, contract extensions, things like that, right? But it's it's not a, a, a loaded class of like, oh, the Cubs have the pick of the litter for top of the rotation guys. 
you'd like that, right? Of course you would. It would be mm-hmm. nice to have a one through five that looks similar to 2016, right? Where it's just super reliable, guys going deep into games, etc. But maybe you can't get there as quick as you want, right? But if you can use a strategy like we're talking about, you can still win games, right? There's a way to kind of like bridge that gap until maybe you're able to continue developing some of these guys, free agents get better, trades appear, things like that. This this strategy is workable. And my second point, Brendan, and it actually ties in with something I just said, if you can believe it, mm-hmm. um, something when I mentioned the 2016 Cubs rotation, yeah. Something that's interesting about that rotation, Brendan, but that is also tied into, I believe, when you were going through the Rays pitchers, you mentioned Corey Kluber. Is that correct? <laughs> I sure did, Corey. I Come sure on. did. You knew where I was going. <laughs> I mean, I hope you did. Well done. So well done. what happened that The year, Cubs Corey? rotation that was yeah. very strong and reliable and, and was kind of a one through five that was, you know, you generally could rely on getting pretty solid length and depth out of. Um, that rotation went on to win the World Series. World Series, And they Correct. beat yes. Kyle Hendricks specifically started Game yeah. 7 that was also started by Corey Kluber. Look at that. When the Look Cubs that, won the Corey. World Series. <laughs> when, the, when they won the World Series, correct. Just uh, I, always, I always forget that. Yeah. I think people do as well. Thank you. Okay, so quick break here from our sponsors. The football season is back. This football season, PointsBet is bringing you a better way to bet live on games, which means before this ad is over, you can place a live same-game parlay. Bet on the next drive to be a touchdown, a cash-out on your live second-half over bet. With PointsBet, you have access to more live football markets than ever before. Build the perfect live same-game parlay by combining your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. Choose the outcome of the next drive and next points with PointsBet Lightning Bets. So whether you are on the move or on the couch, do it live on PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get your first two bets risk-free up to $2,000. If you or somebody knows a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Okay, so this is a, a new sponsor. I'm excited to talk about them. It's Game Time. Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, or shows. I've always loved going to baseball games in like a spur of the moment type deal. Uh, it's so easy to use this app. If I want to go to, let's say, a game on the West Coast, uh, if I want to go to Chicago and go to a quick Cubs game, spur of the moment, I can use this app. It takes like two seconds to go on to find tickets that you want, and you won't find a better deal this season on Cubs games or perhaps Bears games. And it's this app, Game Time, is created by fans for the fans, and it guarantees the lowest price. If you love CHGO, then you'll love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in this description, which we will put on. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time, Game Time app and score the besties to all your favorite events. All right, Brendan, I want to talk about the Franimal. The Franimal? Can we talk Is about that the your Franimal? nickname? Did you create this nickname? No. Okay. I, I couldn't take credit for that. I'll take credit okay. for anything anybody wants to give me, but I don't I don't think so. You're a humble guy. Yeah. Um... 
he's probably been getting called that for years. It's a pretty obvious uh, nickname, I think. Um, but he had a, a nice series here. Um, he went two for four in the game on Wednesday and really uh, one for four in the game on Tuesday. What I want to dial into here is something that I looked at. I, I tweeted this, uh, and I alluded to this before, but when when he first came over, right, we were very intrigued because the Cubs put a claim on him. Jed Hoyer has talked a lot about wanting more power, wanting more guys that slug and kind of, you know, have a profile that looks a lot like Fran Mills does. And we were kind of confused. Everybody was kind of confused. What was going on in Cleveland for these 280 plate appearances is what it was, a few months. Because from 2018 to 2021, four seasons, he was always pretty solid and always above league average hitter to varying degrees. In some of those seasons, hitting a bunch of home runs, a lot of home runs. And then in 2022 with Cleveland, plummeted, right? Came to the Cubs with a 69 WRC plus. What happened, right? We were all very curious. I don't have the answer to what was going on in Cleveland, but what I do want to point out is that what is happening with the Cubs, albeit uh, only 116 plate appearances after the game on Thursday, looks an awful lot like the rest of his career, which is kind of what we expected, Brendan, right? Like, we didn't really know what was going on. Obviously, the K rate had skyrocketed earlier this year for whatever reason, but in 2018 through 2021, 1,540 plate appearances, a 119 WRC+, plus, a 347 weighted on-base average, 9% walk rate, 29.5% K rate, 260, yeah. 325, 503 slash line. Then in the 280 plate appearances with Cleveland to begin this year, 69 WRC+, plus, 264 WOBA, yuck, right? 5% walk rate, and a 37.1% K rate, 213, 254, 350 slash line. Now, with the Cubs and 116 plate appearances, 126 WRC+, plus, 351 weighted on base average, 6% walk rate, 26% K rate, 287, 328, 491. Which of those three samples, Brendan, sounds like the outlier, sounds like the anomaly in all all of these other plate appearances. It's a matter of how confident are you this will continue. Sure. Of course, it seems like the Cleveland one is the outlier in the first half of this season. The The contact rate spiking up to 72%, Corey, with the Cubs, which is like almost league average, about two percentage points below league average, that is a massive change for a big power hitter like Fran Mill. My thinking is always geared towards 2023. And with Fran Mill, he seems like a lock to be on the roster. He seems like a lock to be in the discussion. Like when we talk about this team that's coming up uh, offseason, Fran Mill's name's going to come up a lot, right? Because he has been impressive. And he does have the skills that jump off at you when you watch him compared to you know most guys we've seen over the past few years. It's a matter of where does he fit in? How flexible do the Cubs want to be with their DH? What does it mean for Wilson if they want to bring him back and use that DH spot? There's a lot of 
you know, combinations and discussions we can talk about for Anmil. Or the Cubs could just be, you know what? We're going to figure this out as the season goes along because we want someone like this who you can slot in against certain matchups and have that type of 70 grade plus power on the 80 skill. It's going to be a fascinating uh, topic to discuss over the offseason. Where I stand right now, Corey, and you know, these it's so early in thinking about this, but uh, I, I, I don't. I, I don't see how you cannot bring him back next season unless you make substantial upgrades to your roster. And even if you do, this is such this is such a luxury to have, Corey, someone with this type of uh, power profile on your team. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm with you, right? Like, I don't know what he looks like in 2023, and I don't—I'm not— I mean, you're kind of hinting. Like, you, this nah, is like the third I, time you brought I don't, this up. I don't, you're, like, you're, you're believing in this. I know you are. I, I know you are. I believe that he is—I believe that he has been with the Cubs, and I have confidence that he can continue <laughs> to be the player that he showed himself to be for four seasons. That That yeah. is what I believe. I don't necessarily know if he keeps up a 126 WRC plus or keeps this K rate down at around 26%. That that would be pretty low for a lot of the seasons in his career. Even some of his, his better seasons prior to 2022 was maybe more around 30%, 32%, etc. So I don't know if he keeps this exact performance with the Cubs. The BABIP is a little high, etc. But I just read all those numbers to kind of affirm what we kind of wondered might happen when he first came over, and that is that those near 300 plate appearances with Cleveland to start this season certainly looked different than the rest of his career, and they also don't look like what he's doing with the Cubs. So what I project him for, what role the Cubs would have for him, etc., I'm not really sure, and I I don't know how confident I would be in making any claims on that, but I do have confidence that the player we saw for 1,540 plate appearances prior to 2022 is pretty pretty representative of who he can be at this level and and not what we saw in Cleveland to begin this year. He was also mic'd up uh, on the YouTube broadcast that they did on Thursday He's a fun personality, dude. I mean, that was a really fun mic'd up session that they showed at the end of the broadcast. Uh, at one point, they had him, you know, after Saya hit the home run, he's like, you know, in his microphone going, hefty, 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 <laughs> Saya. He's great. He's he's doing little high five things with Christopher Morell in the dugout. He's got the neon headband. I love he's, that. He's screaming at guys. He, he said something at voice. PJ Higgins. He's like, no, no, oh, no, yeah? PJ. We don't swing at that stuff. Only I swing at that stuff. <laughs> I mean, he's like funny. Yes, there's a clip of him uh, uh, singing in Cleveland that was just phenomenal stuff. So he, he has the, the teammate camaraderie aspect to him. We do have, like to, we him, have to consider vibes, Brendan. We, we always do. have to keep that in we mind. Do. We do. Nelson, Morell, uh, Fran Mill jumping up and down the dugout. That's worth like what, 0.5 war, Corey, I think? Somewhere around there. But like looking at the roster right now, um, and this is this, this is all just like setting the stage. Again, this is going to be something we talk about exhaustively, I imagine, through the offseason. But the way that the roster is constructed, you have Magical at second base right now. You have Nico at shortstop. You have Morell at third base. Wisdom's going to come back now within the next two weeks, right? So that means Wisdom at third base, um, you know. 
Where is Morel play? Center field? Uh, likely, yes. But then you come into the offseason, and then you think, okay, if they sign a middle infield bat, then that moves Magical to a flexible bench spot. It also moves Morel to a flexible bench spot. Uh, you know, it, it might be difficult to to argue, pending other moves, that keeping Franmil is worth the opportunity cost of not giving your younger guys at bats because you may need to see more from Magical. You may need to see more from Nelson. You may need to see consistent at-bats from Brennan Davis coming up. Uh, there's a lot of different ways this can go. Sure. This can be this DH can be used, and that's going to be the difficult maneuver, maneuvering that the front office has to consider this offseason. So that's that's where I'm at. Really, I think my and again, like we still have you know a, a month ish left in the season. So he Franmil, like other guys, has to kind of keep this up so that his sample with the Cubs continues to look like this or continues to look like his his time prior to the beginning of 2022. What I what I think is is the conclusion that I would draw today if you were asking me, and and it goes along with what you were just saying. When the Cubs are evaluating their roster next year. I think that they can look at Franmil as the player they kind of hoped that they were getting, right? Yeah. He didn't come over and continue to play like he did at the beginning of this season with Cleveland, at which point, obviously, he's not in any discussions, right? Like he's something is wrong and he's not able to turn it around. Because he has, if they d- don't think they have space for it, fine. Like they're going to have to make a lot of decisions on the 40-man, on the 20, you know, the the smaller roster, all sorts of things, right? They're hopefully going to sign some big free agents, maybe make some trades, etc. But what I think we can kind of look at with Reyes is when they're making that decision, I think they can kind of look at his bigger career sample and say, this is the guy we're making a decision on which we didn't know would be the case when he first came over here. Um, I want to transition to Seiya. We've talked about him a lot, but we're going to keep talking about him. His development is very important. Um, And with with Justin Steele and Keegan Thompson out, our usual let's check in on this guy every 30 seconds. Uh, They say the the, the hitting version (laughs) of this. (laughs) We we don't have those guys available. Those two are out. So we we can't do that. Um, So... I, I do want to keep an eye on this because, again, it's it's very important. But Seiya, two for four in the game on Thursday, one for four in the game on Wednesday, one for three with three RBIs, and, of course, the home run on Tuesday. He also walked two times on Tuesday. And now the overall numbers for Seiya Suzuki, 264, 337, 436, which is good for a 335 weighted on base average, a 115 WRC plus, and he's now got those 12 homers. I think they showed a stat on Marquis today that he is, all, uh, excuse me, on Thursday, that he is also second uh, in nationally rookies in terms of RBI, which, you know, is a pretty specific stat and you can care about that as much as you want but still interesting to note uh, amongst his fellow company as rookies so I this this feels really important to me Brendan um he that K rate had spiked it had gotten up you know near 30 percent he had had some stretches where the contact numbers chase numbers things like that were getting all out of whack um his numbers 
WRC Plus was heading down towards league average, etc. I think it even crept under briefly for a couple games, like, you know, 98 or 99. For him to be able to make adjustments like this and go on a stretch like this that is as hot as he's been and get those numbers up to where they are, I am very, very impressed by what he's doing. And I think that if he is able to finish off this season in a similar neighborhood in terms of his overall numbers, I I think we should all be thrilled with what we saw yeah. from Seiya Suzuki. Because if you if he put up these numbers, if you told us these numbers in a vacuum for his rookie season, I think we'd all be quite happy with it. You want, you know, more of that power to come out as he continues to develop because it it certainly uh showed more in his time in Japan. But what is even more impressive not just looking at the numbers without the greater context, is that he has made such significant adjustments and he has come out of real valleys in his numbers. And I think that shows us a lot of his, you know, maturity and his ability to make these adjustments, which we know is key to succeeding at the major league level. Yeah, looking at the last 50 plate appearances, I I bring up like small sample sizes and stability whether or not a sample is statistically small and not to get these words twisted but in 50 plate appearances those plate discipline numbers tend to be stable which means in that sample the effect of striking out or walking or making contact is more so due to that in that sample in that environment the player himself and randomness so within the last 50 plate appearances he's making really high contact. He's making zone contact at a 93% clip. That's like Nico's career uh, season rate. His overall contact is 81%. That's about five percentage points higher than the average. His chase rate is 21%. That's like what Ben Zobrist used to showcase. That's what Seiya was showcasing earlier on in the season for the first two months. And the power is now starting to show up, which is for me, the most important thing, because I always assumed that the discipline would be there. I was more so wondering, like, when is this power going to show up? You saw in the last week, him driving the ball in the gap. You saw the home run, of course. That's great to see. My thinking with Seiya is that the, the transition and the the adjustments are still not done yet. Like, to, like I still want to see more power. I, th- I think it's in him. I'm reminded of, always reminded of, the changes he's made throughout the season with his rhythm, with his stride, with his pre-pitch load, with his front leg and the leg kick, or sometimes a toe tap. And David Ross has talked about this. And I'm thinking if you if we look at players who have gone through all these drastic changes in the past on the Cubs, a lot of them unfortunately didn't pan out. Just the adjustment process was a little bit too long. We look at Schwarber, we look at you know, so so many guys, like even Javi's gone through a ton of different adjustment phases. My my worry is that with Seiya, that it's just like I hope there's a there's a healthy balance of him trying new things, but not at this exhaustive like hyper mechanical rate. Because I the underlying talent is so clear and it's so there, and I feel as if it's just it's going to take a small tweak, and then the power is going to show up, and like. If you, if you look at players who come over who are very rhythmic 
in their pre-pitch mechanics, like from Japan. Like a lot, a lot of those pre-pitch mechanics in Japan, they have those high leg kicks. They have like timing up the the pitcher. Like even Shohei Otani, when he first came over to the Angels, he had a leg kick, and then almost instantly he just put that front foot down, kind of like that Albert Pujols type. I'm just gonna you know put my foot down and, and swing. That really unlocked something for Shohei. It was a simple tweak like that. And I feel as if with Seiya, it's going to be the same thing. Well, Shohei can it show went, it to him when he gets traded to the Yeah, Cubs. Well, that's my thinking. Yeah. I'm, get, I'm getting there, Corey. So when Shohei comes over to Wrigley in the next few months here, then, he, then, then of course, he can do that. So to conclude my thinking here, once the power comes, I think it's going to come. Once the power comes consistently in a larger sample, I don't think it's there yet then I'm going to be overjoyed. I think we're still in that process. The numbers are great to see. The discipline is great to see. The little bit of power we're seeing is great to see. But I'm really confident there's so much more there, which is awesome to even think about. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think a lot of that is natural, you know, for his situation. Um, yeah. I, I I expect it to. I'm I'm just really glad that he's been able to to make these adjustments. They're, they're, I mean, this, is, this has been a beneficial season for him, no doubt about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and again, he's got to finish it off. So many of these guys, you know, they have to get to the they have to get to the the finish line here. But this yeah. is, I, I think, very encouraging, and it bodes very well um, yep. for twenty twenty three. So let me paint you a picture, Corey. It's it's May of next season. Okay, you want to go to a Cubs game? You want to go see Shohei Otani pitch? You want to go see Seiya Suzuki? bat second in the lineup you want to see xander bogarts and nico horner turn double plays you're spending but a lot of uh money which is great but i, I, I hope it's he, great i hope they do it's too. great i agree it's great so like let's say you want to go to that game right well there's this uh, there's this new application where you can get tickets at a low rate it's called game time if you dream like i do about seeing these free agents signed this is the app for you you will not find better deals on tickets. You can even get tickets upwards 60% off. And if you want to go see other you know, Chicago sports teams, you want to go see the Avs and Blackhawks in their opener, you can use this app. You can get really great deals on the same day. And you know that this is going to be a guaranteed deal. This app was created by fans, for fans, the experience, the user experience on this app is really straightforward. If you love CHGO, then you will love Game Time. And just know the best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description, even Bears tickets that's coming up. And you can join over 50, 15 million people now who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the besties to all your favorite events. Get your Bears tickets. Get your Bears tickets now on Game Time while you can still see them in downtown Chicago Ooh. before they moved Arlington Heights. Ooh. It was the topic du jour in Chicago uh, this week? They had a, a meeting in Arlington Heights, I think, on Thursday. Uh, I that's I do it's probably I do a very long track. way away from them actually doing yeah. it, but you know, if you want to see them at Soldier Field, hop on the Game Time app and you can do yeah. that. So. Yeah. Let's talk about. Do you want to talk about Nico, Brendan? Uh, it's been it was a good series. Yeah, about time you bring it up. Yeah, I mean, we talked in the last episode. He was kind of in a, a bit of a slump, but this was a good series for him. It was. I. I. I mean, listen. On Thursday's game, you got the the triple. You got him sliding headfirst in the third base. I. 
I sensed that this type of series was bound to happen. You know how I am. Whenever he hits a fly ball deep, like to left field or to right field, especially in these Wrigley Wells, in my mind, it's a home run. I don't care if it's an out. I just like tally it up in my brain. So he's like double digit home runs right now. And he was doing that recently. He did that even on Tuesday. I thought he hit a home run in Tuesday's game. Um, it's good to see. You see that Woba going up above 320 again. See the WRC plus approaching 110. You still see the defense sharp. Uh, Nico's gonna be Nico, Corey. He's the, uh, yeah, he's uh, what I hope to be the future captain of this team. It's great to see him do this. Yeah, I, I you know, it's it, we when we talked about his his sort of slump, we kind of figured this was coming that he would have one of those games and. Uh, you know, a couple of the hits, uh, I think it was a few in the game on Thursday, uh, the red center fielder had some real trouble with the sun uh, at Wrigley Field. Care. No, I know. He deserves those hits. But th- that's that's kind of the point. You know, and Say is in that category too. Like some of these guys that make a lot of contact, you know, that's what happens, right? That's what happens when you make hard, good contact is, you know, sometimes uh Sometimes those hits fall. Sometimes those hits go for home runs. Sometimes those hits are difficult for fielders to find, right? Like, but when you're making contact and putting the ball in play, good things can happen. So he was kind of bound to have a series like this. Um, loved the energy on that triple. Obviously, I just, you know, love oh, seeing him get hyped up like that. That was just uh, good to see. And yeah, it, I, again, like he's just having a, a fantastic season. And I think when Jed, when Jed Hoyer spoke about him most recently, he, you know, was talking like he's shown you everything you wanted to see out of him, which I think is is pretty much the case. And, uh, you know, he hasn't played this deep into a season, uh, this many games, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, I think there, there's going to be stretches like we talked about, uh, that he, that he was in and hopefully this series has brought him out of it. Then we can just say it's over. Um, there's going to be stretches like that. You know, you get to these points and seasons where you have an, you know, uncharted territory, like there, there's, there's going to be, uh, adjustments that need to be made and kind of slower periods, et cetera. But hopefully he has found his way out of it and he continues to just be an absolute joy to watch Brendan. By the next time we record, he may have four wins above replacement, Corey. He's at three points. Do you have like a, what do you have? Like a tracker in your home for that? So there's like a siren go off when he gets to four wins above replacement? What happens there? I, I mean, you'll have to call me to, to make sure I'm still alive. Mm. So forget the forget the tracker for Nico. Give me a tracker for my heart rate. Yeah. You know, when that I'm happens. just imagining you have some sort of system set up where like confetti <laughs> comes out of a box in your apartment. Like the second Fangraphs changes that. <laughs> yeah, I refresh. There it is. Four. Right. People are over your apartment. Seven. What was that? Oh, Nico yeah, must be was... at four wins above replacement. <laughs> Hold on. I have to clean up this confetti. Oh, um. Man. I, a, a couple more things, and then we'll uh, preview this weekend series here. Um, Ian Happ made a few really nice plays in the field in the game on yeah, Thursday. And David Ross, after the game, I have this quote from our guy, Ryan Herrera, whose work, of course, you can read at allchgo.com. Also, don't forget to follow him. He is uh, always you know at Wrigley Field doing live coverage for CHGO at Ryan Great underscore coverage. A underscore Herrera. And he had this quote from David Ross, and he said, it feels like he's played some of the best defensive left field in the league for me. Hopefully he's starting to get into that gold glove conversation. Now, that feels extreme to me. A little bit. Um, (laughs) 
I, I appreciate the manager, you know, saying nice Back things about guy. a player. That feels a little extreme. But I will say that Ian continues to have a very good offensive season. 274, 347, or excuse me, 272, 345, 452, 346 weighted on base average, 122 WRC plus. He has had a really nice offensive season that he is very close to finishing pole to pole, right? Which was something that, you know, he wasn't able to do uh, last year, obviously he finished hot, but was dreadful to start that season. So that was kind of one of the questions was, can he start and finish a season looking like the player he was at the plate at the end of last year? And he's very close to answering that in a, a very positive fashion. But he's also, I think, been improved in the field. I, I Again, I would stop short of saying that I would give him a gold glove. I think that's too far. Uh, but I do give him credit as someone who, you know, came up playing different positions, uh, has been asked at times to move around for the Cubs. And, uh, you know, certainly I think when he started his career in the outfield did not look very good. I, I give him a lot of credit for not only the work at the plate that he's made to be so consistent, but also to uh, make improvements in, in the field and the work that he's done in the field. No doubt about it. His outs above average is in the 74th percentile. Also agrees with his ultimate zone rating that you see on Fangraphs, which is part of their war calculation. So his UZR per 150 games, which is the scaled version, is almost eight. So in the gold glove tier, those guys typically have UZR per 150s around like 15. Okay, so he's doing great. David Ross is for sure backing his guy in left field, but uh, the goal club is a little bit extreme, but it does point to just how hard he's worked. There was also one play in Tuesday's game when Nico's at shortstop and Hap is coming in on a softly hit fly ball. At first glance, I'm like, oh God, like please don't collide. But Hap took charge. You can hear him scream, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. And that suggests there is such a higher degree of confidence in the outfield for Hap. We've seen those two actually get into collisions in the years past. Hap is taking charge. Hap feels comfortable in left field. And he has made great plays both to his left side, to his right side, and kind of exceeded my expectations in left field. Even his arm strength, Corey, has been better. He's making better throws, I feel like. There are a few throws in years past where I'm like, what is going on here? Uh, so he's worked hard. You can see it. Good for him. I think right now, it, the likely outcome is he's on this team next year, given he has one more year left. And I'm completely fine with that at an estimated $10 million rate in arbitration. I don't see the Cubs getting back an immediate value that outweighs that 2023 value for him in left field for the Cubs. Yeah. Uh, so last thing before we preview this series, uh, depending on when you're listening to this on Friday, uh, some stuff may change for 2023. Major League Baseball going to vote on some potential rule changes. Uh, a couple of them, I, I you know, I don't really care about pitch clock, some things like that. I did. No, I care about pitch clock a lot. Do you? I do, man. I really do. I think I think it's necessary. I'm being serious. Okay, here. fine. I, yeah, I I don't really care. Um, but that's one <laughs> do of them. Do you care about any of the rules? Huh? Do you care about any of the rule changes? I like, just, never to be honest with you, I just want the Cubs to win baseball games. I don't care how they yeah, do it you. or what sport they're playing. Yeah. yeah, they could play basketball out there for all I care. As long as the Cubs Whoa. are winning, I really don't care. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but I think the most significant one and the one I, I do want to get your opinion on is the shift and uh, shift restrictions, uh, I guess, let's call it. So I, I believe the premise would be that a defense must have two infielders on both sides of second base in front of the outfield grass. Uh, and that, I, you know, I'm reading this from an article uh, by uh, Michael Cerami, friend of the podcast over at BleacherNation.com. You know me, Brendan, with like the, you know, hitter limit for relievers, things like that. Typically, if it were up to me and I were not considering viewership, pace of the game, casual fans, anything, right? I tend to be more of a let the manager do whatever they want, right? If that's how you think you're going to win a game, use 12 pitchers in a game for all I care. Do whatever you want. I don't care, right? You want to put all of your fielders in left field for some reason, go ahead, right? Do whatever you want if you think you're going to win the game. I understand that's not practical. And kind of like the other stuff, I don't really have much of a strong opinion on this. I do kind of understand this. It is definitely frustrating at times. Uh, I think you think back to someone like Anthony Rizzo in particular, you know, when you're watching on TV, you see him scorch a ball off the bat and you think oh yeah right and then there's somebody in shallow right field there's mike mustak right yes for the base, brewers right, right field yeah in shallow right field somehow yeah. perfectly positioned for this you know 200 something foot ground out right that it turns out to be it's frustrating as a fan I also know some people are going to say, well, you know, it it rewards complete hitters, guys like Nico Horner or others who can use the whole field and make contact all over the field, et cetera, et cetera. Again, I don't necessarily have a strong opinion of it. I do kind of understand why they're going to do it. And it seems as though this is going to pass. So this is going to be probably the way that things go. The one thing that does stand out is that like, you know, we'll see what the Cubs roster looks like uh, going forward. This would have been nice a few years ago, right? Like the Cubs <laughs> had a period where they had a few hitters. Uh, Rizzo, Rizzo, Kyle, even Chris Bryant got shifted yeah, heavily man. on the left side, right? Sure did. Uh, that lineup would have you know, probably really benefited from this. So it's, you know, at this point I'm like, okay, well, whatever. Uh, do you have a strong opinion about the shift? I do. I don't look at it from the hitter's perspective. I totally understand the arguments that, that fans make. Well, you know, the hitters need to hit away from the shift and you're taking away the strategy from the game. I totally respect that. And that's how, if that's how you want to like perceive the game and that frustrates you, I, I get it. For me, I love middle infield defense, Corey. Like that, like you like watching John yeah, Lester bunt. Yeah. Yeah, I know you. I know you know that I love middle infield defense, but the shift takes away those opportunities for me. Like I want to see these guys make diving plays. I want to see them showcase their athleticism. So I, I take great offense to Mike Mustakas playing second base in right field. It offends me personally on a, on a deep level. So the shift being banned is, from an aesthetic point of view, when I watch the game, so much more pleasing. And Nico and also, also too, made some great plays. In I know, right field, I know just that's Devil's advocate. I, right? you know, it is saying. Devil's advocate. Well, Nico can make those plays a shortstop now. Yeah. Okay. So also one other note, like I, I, I grew up watching games where there is a base hit up the middle and you see that shortstop dive and not be able to get it and the camera pans away, like zooms out. I don't get that anymore. I am like, I am so conditioned. I've watched thousands of baseball games, Corey knowing that when there's a base hit or a ground ball up the middle, there's a chance of it going through. So conditioned. 
it hurts it hurts me when that's not a base hit. I get so upset about that. So there's two factors for me. It's all aesthetic. And again, I understand the other argument. I I I I need this. I'm like I get so frustrated seeing some of these right field hard hit balls and outs. I can't take it anymore. Yeah. Not to not to relitigate this, but you and I have a uncanny ability to make ourselves and other people miserable talking about the Cubs. I think if 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 the shift is restricted, whatever word you want to use, banned, restricted, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, if this happens in 2018, the Cubs assuredly win that division, right? That's what I. How mean. many games did they lose to the Brewers, where Orlando Arcia or Mark Mustakas, Mike Mustakas, was perfectly no, we, positioned? We can call him, right. We can, we can call him Mark Mustakas if you want. I don't even care what his name is. Too many, too, too many, too many games. Too many that games. Happen, yeah. So that's where I'm at. And in terms of the other stuff, like the pitch clock, this is a discussion for a different day. But I think in in general, it's good for the fan to know when to expect action. And the pitch clock is a way to inform the fan that action is looming. I think that's really important. And then from my point of view, ooh, I'm not a casual fan. I want to see as much action in a shorter period as possible. So I think it's a win-win, and I'm also interested in how these pitchers adapt from like a stamina level. Now that we have a younger starting pitching staff, perhaps that's an advantage versus the 2016 team, which when they won the World Series, that could have been a disadvantage, a veteran group. So I'm thinking like, are the Brewers going to be screwed because they have a more veteran staff because of this pitch clock? So there might be an advantage from the Cubs' point of view. Yeah, I, I again, I just don't have a strong. I, that's a rule. It's not for me right? Like it doesn't have anything to do with me. I'm, I, yeah, and I, I, I know what you're talking about, but I, I action, but I think you're in the same boat where like, I can spend an afternoon at Wrigley Field, beautiful, historic Wrigley Field, watching John Lester throw a complete game shutout. And if it takes four and a half hours, great. I'll hang out at Wrigley Field for four and a half hours. What do yeah, I care? I, mean, I don't right? really, I mean, like truthfully, I don't really care. I'm just saying I, I kind of care in, in that context. And I care about the health of the sport. So I think, like yeah, like maybe it sucks that they have to do this, but like I'm genuinely worried that there might be a lack of fans in the next decade unless something changes. So to me, this is one way of ensuring that like we can watch these games with the same level of excitement. Yeah, I, again, I get it. Um, I, the you know these will kind of, hopefully not too dramatically change the game, right? But I I do, yeah, I get it. There are a lot of people that do not want to watch a four and a half hour baseball game. At least they're testing it like rigorously, you know. Yeah, it's the not minors. some type of like yeah. half hazard, right. you know, response. Yeah, I will. We'll see what happens. Um, you know, and there's a large portion of the baseball audience in particular that is pretty averse to change. Rob Manfred is definitely not one of those people. Um, so we'll see how this is received, I guess. But uh, yeah, some stuff may be coming. Baseball may look ever so slightly different in 2023. So uh, you're listening to this, of course, on Friday morning. So, you know, in the early afternoon, this is is probably going to get pushed through and uh, we can see uh, what comes of it. I, you know, the, the first thing that jumps <laughs> out in terms of like the shift stuff, I guess, is, you know, you do have to kind of think about how that impacts defense, right? Um, and when you're putting a team together next year, how dramatically it affects how you would build a roster, uh, I'm not sure. Obviously, this would be sort of a new way of thinking. Um, but even the Cubs now, and certainly in the past, they did it as well uh, when they had Javi over at short. You know, they very frequently utilized how good their shortstops have been defensively 
on those shifts and moving those guys uh, to the right side. And I think there's a lot of plays that we see Nico make because of the shift, obviously, that if it's just an example, Nick Madrigal over there by himself, that play is definitely not getting made, right? I, I understand. So yeah. given that the Cubs defense has not been where it needs to be, uh, to be uh, the top team that we want them to be, and hopefully not where it is next year, just something to keep in mind that you may not have the flexibility to move someone like Nico Horner around the diamond as much as you want to, you know, position him perfectly to be the person making all of these plays. You're going to have to have the other side of the infield be rating well defensively as well. So how much that factors into things, not sure. Uh, Oh, it's it's not anything pro or against the rule it's just if I mean, if they're pretty against it just saying no it, it not at all i'm just i'm just setting the table for when you're this is something that they have to consider now that i mean you hate middle infield defense i just say well, you it. know that's not true i mean it kind of sounds I, like I, it is I, I don't think that's true at all um okay. but i can't i'm being just accused of several things here I just because I have uh, just because I've always been kind of a pitcher guy doesn't mean that I don't like other aspects of baseball Brendan I think that's pretty unfair uh, we'll let the listeners decide about that but let's preview this upcoming series against the San Francisco Giants the Giants come to Wrigley we have a 3.05 p.m. start time Corey on a Friday I do not like that I like those traditional 1.20 p.m. start times I don't know why they're doing that but 3.05 p.m. Drew Smiley hoping to rebound off of a rough start in his last outing on the year Drew is 5-8 and eight with a 3.84 ERA He'll be facing the ace of the Giants and potential Cub, I guess. He's probably going to opt out as Carlos Rodon this season. He is 12-7 and with a 2.92 ERA. On Saturday, your afternoon start time of the traditional variety, 1.20 p.m., uh, we have Caleb Webb pitching. Sorry, I don't know why I said Caleb Webb. Logan Webb pitching for the Giants. He's 12-8 and with a 2.89 ERA. If you like... Uh, change-ups, if you like uh, sinkers, he's probably the guy you want to watch. Marcus Droman has a good sinker as well. In fact, he's been using that pitch more than any other pitch type over the last two months. Marcus this season is 3-6, and six, a 3.73 ERA. Sunday, I think they got flexed to Sunday Night Baseball for they this. I, I hate that. I mean, like, Well, and who on earth this. wants to see these two teams on like, Sunday why? Night Baseball? I have no I idea. Mean, is, is the weather going to be nice in Chicago this weekend? I, they, they're like, hey, if you record a podcast after the series, here, yeah. here you go. Yeah. yeah, here you go. Yeah, thank you, uh, ESPN. All right, well, that game starts at 7.08 p.m. Sanford has not announced a starter for that night contest. Wade Miley gets another shot for the Cubs. He is 1-0 with a one point, with a 3.13 ERA in a shortened season. Giants have struggled this season. They're 65 and 72, definitely hitting the lower end of their win projection. The Cubs, if you care about their record, they're 57 and 80. What I'm looking for this series is when will we see Wisniewski again? Also trying to get some updates on wisdom. Hopefully that that rehab is progressing. Hopefully the swings are at full strength and then we get more information about his likely return, which means if that is imminent, perhaps we see Morel get some outings in center field, maybe like 
I know you don't like it, Corey, but David Bodie is on this team. Maybe he gets some Indians at third base. But ultimately, this series for me is the Hayden Wisniewski show. Yeah, we did see a little bit of uh, Bodie at third base. What am I, a David Bodie hater? I don't think that's... I mean, you could... Maybe sometimes. Oh, yeah. You're Brendan. Brendan, <laughs> I love David Bodie. Play him every day. Miller over here. Okay. <laughs> sure thing. Um, <laughs> but uh, David Bodie's fine. The point, we know who he is. I know, uh, I Yeah, know, it's I know. just not necessarily... I like David Bodie. Seems, seems like a nice guy, you know? Yeah, it's just, you know, as we've talked about, like, we kind of know what we have there. It's, you know, I, yeah, I want to see it. Nelson every day when we can, Morel every day when we can, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, yeah. What I'm hoping for in this series, continuation of a lot of the stuff that we've seen. Hopefully Nico continues... Uh, the good series that he has parlays that into a good weekend here. Saya continues, Franmil continues, et cetera, et cetera. See more of uh, Nelson Velasquez. Um, but what I'm hoping for, you mentioned it, you know, with the potential of Rodan opting out. Um, I, what I want is one of those quotes about Wrigley Field, you know. Oh, how he likes it. Yeah, that yeah. kind of, you know, sends everybody into a like, oh, you know, what did he mean it's a by shame that? He's you not know? pitching Sunday night, you know, national TV, right. more fans. The but usually the there's guys on the, the Cubs beat that like to uh, rabble rouse a little bit. Um, yeah. Our guy, Ryan Herrera, is not one of those. He's a very he's professional not. reporter writing great articles Big over time. at allchgo.com. But I, I'm sure there's somebody who's going to say, you know what, I'm going to go ask this guy and see if I can get a, uh, you know, Good for a, a thought-provoking quote out of uh, Carlos Rodon that then you, me, and everybody else on Cubs Twitter can take over-interpret. probably out of context, over-interpret, and just assume that they have their number one starter for next year. Yeah. Um, but we did, you know, because we did get, uh, you know, Adrian Sampson pitched on Thursday. It was a beautiful day in Chicago. Uh, and he said, heaven on earth is pitching at Wrigley on a day like today. That That's what I want from Carlos Rodon this weekend, <laughs> you know? Um, just copy and paste and put Rodon's yeah, name just, on Yeah, I always love okay. coming here. I love this city. Obviously, I played, yeah. on, you know, with the White Sox and right, always loved right. Wrigley. Right. You know, that type of thing. Well, I got the, I got the perfect question. So, you know, Carlos, uh, Samson said Wrigley's like heaven on earth. What do you think about yeah. that? Right. There you go. Right. You know, Let maybe you could opt out, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that is what we have for you. Obviously, we appreciate all of your support for everything going on at CHGO. Uh, the CHGO Bears squad has added some wonderful new members over the last week. They have, I was going to say they're gearing up, but they have geared up for uh, the NFL season. So if you are... A Bears fan, if you are looking for your coverage team for the season that begins this weekend, check out the CHGO Bears crew. It is a deep crew, and they do excellent, excellent work, and they will have you covered uh, as soon as things kick off this weekend. You can find all of our guy Ryan Herrera's work at allchgo.com when you sign up. Uh, we appreciate you listening, downloading, supporting the CHGO Cubs podcast. Of course, Brendan and I will talk to you, uh, unfortunately, after Sunday night uh, baseball between two bad teams. So thank you to ESPN for that. Appreciate your support. We will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs.